There are no term limits in the reign of Christ. What He establishes is once and for all. And it is eternally right. It is eternally peaceful. Right now, we look forward with hope to that reign. But one day our hope will be put to certainty and we will live in that reign forever. I'm Kyle Grant and I'm the lead pastor at Grace Bible Church. You know, biblical preaching is one of the highest priorities of our ministry. And I'm so thankful that you've chosen to listen. If you have any questions about our ministry or would like to know more about Christ, feel free to connect with us at www.gracebibleelkhart.com. Thank you again for spending these moments with us, and I pray that God transforms you by His grace through the Bible. Continuing in the studying of these names as they have already been brought to us, if you're visiting with us today, we began a study of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 last week, and we will continue it today. We will not get all the way through the verse. Last week, we spent a good bit of time just kind of setting up verse 6. And today we will focus on a phrase about Christ's reign and two of the names. Last week we talked about the scene into which this prophecy was spoken. It was a difficult day in the house of Israel. There was great wickedness. They were serving under a, or they were living in, under the reign of a wicked king, King Ahaz. And even if you just look at the last verse of chapter 8, it kind of sets up the context for us. This, uh, this is describing those who are evil in Israel. They will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. And this darkness sets the scene for the, the situation, or it helps us understand the scene and situation of this prophecy. But for those who believe, the believing remnant of Israel in chapter 9, verse 1, but, but there will be no gloom for her, that is the remnant, who was in anguish in the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult. And every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Four. And here's the reason. Here's the reason for hope. Here's the light that has shone. Four. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And those two lines were the focus of our study last week. And the focus of our study together this week will be the following, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
this morning, I want to show you that just from these few lines that we'll study together, that the fulfilled prophecy, fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ, teaches us this truth, that King Jesus is wonderful wisdom to the foolish and sovereign strength for the frail. So last week as we began, I said, if you need a, ho- a message of hope, and we all do, and you need a message of light in a time that is dark, and we all do, this text is for you. To be even more specific with these few lines, if you need a government that will not disappoint you, and you need counsel in times of confusion, and you need strength in times of weakness, Jesus is your only hope for these things. And I think if I were to ask you if you wanted a government that won't, that won't disappoint you, you'd probably raise your hand. You can probably compare times of good or less. Or When I say good, I mean, you know, it's never really been great because we've always been under human rule. And under human rule, we have human problems. If I were to ask you, are you confused in life and you need some guidance and counsel in life, I'm sure you'd say yes, because we are human, and there's constantly things before us that are difficult and perplexing. And I'm sure if I were to ask you if you need strength, you'd probably say yes, because we're human and life is difficult. It presses us in every way, emotionally, physically, intellectually, and spiritually. And so where do we go when we need these things? Where do the people of Israel go? What was their only hope as they find themselves under a reign that is difficult and perplexing? Remember we studied, we're not going to go back into it this morning, we don't have time for it, but remember we studied last week just some of the things going on under the reign of Ahaz. Ahaz brings into the, the people of Israel a time of grotesque idolatry, even including such things as human child sacrifice. And God says there is a reign coming that is better. Ahaz not only brings an idolatry, but rampant immorality. And as we look at a a culture today in which we find ourselves that, again, has very little regard for the life of the young, to draw a specific line, and could be characterized by rampant immorality, what's our only hope? And this brings us to the hope that is provided for us in this prophecy, and the government shall be upon His shoulder. And of course, you understand the His is the child that is born, the first two lines of verse 6, and the son that is given, the child that is born, the expected son, the expected son, the expected Messiah will bring in a righteous reign. So the first part of or the, this line in verse 6, the first part of our text this morning that we'll note is the righteous reign of the son. Or in other words, another way you could say this phrase, the government shall be upon his shoulder is this, the dominion of all people shall rest upon him. Every once in a while, I'll take my children when they're getting tired. Maybe we've been walking for too long, and I'll put them on my shoulders. 
Um, it's Christmas time, so I've been putting Everly up on my shoulder like, you know, Tiny Tim and uh, putting Lily up on my shoulder like Tiny Tim and Christmas Carol. The idea is something goes on your shoulder and, and, and that's where it's sitting, that's where it's resting. And literally the idea that we're supposed to see is that all reign, all authority shall rest upon the shoulders of this son. He will bear the weight of all ruling authority. We see this throughout the Scriptures. Isaiah talks about it in chapter 22. This is verses 22 and 23. And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He uses the same terminology. He shall open, and none shall be shut. And he shall shut, and none shall open. In other words, no one will refute his reign. And I will fasten him like a peg in a secure place. And he will become a throne of honor to his father's house. Whose house? The house of David. And so from David there would come this reign through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Of course, you know that it is from not only the house of David, but even literally the the city of David, which Micah prophesied that this righteous ruler would come, Christ himself. Jesus himself talks about this in his closing words to his disciples in Matthew 28. He said, verse 18 and 19, all what? Authority has been given in heaven and on earth and has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. His message in the early, uh, early, me- early preaching in the book of Mark is that he has a message, specifically in study chapter 1, he has a message regarding the kingdom over which he will reign. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time was fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand Repent and believe the gospel. Something that we understand about the gospel, or about the kingdom of God, the reign of Christ, and this gets into some weeds of, of some theological discussion, but I think it's important for you to realize is that we, we, we believe in what's called, what we refer to as an already not yet kingdom. It has already been initiated in the person work of Jesus Christ, but it's not yet been fully consummated. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that even creation groans for redemption. Even the created order because of sin recognizes that there's something better coming. And what is better that is coming? It is the fulfilled kingdom of God, the redeemed heavens and earth filled with His redeemed peoples. You say, well, what does this look like? How, how do we become one of the redeemed people that... that, that in the end, the, the, the completed kingdom of God, the con- consummated kingdom of God, there's no threat of sin, no threat of death, no threat of grief. We must do what the king says because the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. You say, well, what is the gospel? The angel told us about it on the hillside to the shepherds. I bring you good news of great joy, and it will be to all people. For unto you, it sounds the same as Isaiah 9, for unto you is born this day in David's city a Savior. 
So we know the kingdom is at hand. It's been initiated in the person and work of Christ, but we know it's not yet fully consummated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is a powerful and fascinating, mysterious passage, but it's, imagine with me just try to picture what's taking place knowing that we still groan here and that we await a better kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24 through 26. Then comes the end, Paul says, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father. So Christ the righteous ruler, the Son who is given, whom government rests upon his shoulders, will, will, will give the kingdom over to his Father and present it as completed. For he... Paul says, verse 25, must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And Luke, in relation to the Advent, the Christmas story, records for us the message of the angel. And in the message of the angel is a message of governmental rule. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. There are no term limits in the reign of Christ. What He establishes is once and for all. And it is eternally right. It is eternally peaceful. Right now, we look forward with hope to that reign. But one day our hope will be put to certainty and we will live in that reign forever. And I pray that you understand that and know this today. There are many with us this morning I wouldn't ordinarily, I don't recognize and I'm thankful that you're here. So I encourage you to obey the command of Jesus, repent and believe in the gospel for you are accountable to this message. And there waits for you either a righteous reign that rests upon the shoulder of Messiah, King Jesus, who will rule forever, and it will be a reign of peace, a reign of righteousness, no injustice, no fear, no death, because the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Or you will dwell in the realm of death forever, where Satan is your master. Eternal punishment is certain. And there is no escape. So first we know together the righteous <clears throat> reign of the Son. So just for a moment, brothers and sisters, it's really easy for you and me to get really bent out of shape about government, isn't it? But you recognize that every time you worry and get anxious and get frustrated and get angry about whatever's taking place politically and human rule and earthly rule here, it's just a reminder. It's just a reminder that's what is happening here. 
is what's going to happen here. But what's happening there and what we can anticipate there, it's going to be okay. You should expect sinful rulers to reign sinfully. But we look forward to a hope with hope. And you should expect a loving, peaceful, holy king to rule a kingdom of peace. So in times of your frustration and fear about current kingdoms, just look forward. Christmas means you don't have to be worried about the news. So upon His shoulders will rest a government. But what is He called? Who is He? We'll deal with only two of these names together. We'll deal with them quickly. For unto us a child is born. There's hope. Unto us a son is given us, the Son of God. The government shall be upon His shoulder. We look forward to a righteous reign. And His name shall be called. We'll just deal together with Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. So first, the righteous reign of Christ. Secondly, the matchless name of the Son. Dealing first with our Wonderful Counselor. How many of you, I'm not necessarily asking for you to raise your hand or answer out loud, it's understood. How many of you have ever needed a counselor in life? Something's been difficult or perplexing or confusing or you just didn't know what to do next. Within these names are majestic ideas but very simple hopes and very simple truths. You can trust that this King, that this Son will bring to you wise Counsel. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 24 that he literally is the manifestation of God's wisdom. Paul addressing the Corinthians who put so much stock in intellectual knowledge and philosophical wisdom says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 24, but to those who are called Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. In verse 30, and because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He is a wonderful counselor who offers to us wonderful wisdom. In Colossians chapter 2, Verse 2 and 3, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches and full assurance of understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You will never bring a question to Jesus that He cannot answer perfectly. You will never bring a confusion or problem to Christ that stumps Him too. The Son is a wonderful counselor. So maybe you need 
counsel today. Your life is confusing. Your life is challenging. Your life is difficult. You, you don't know what to do with this next circumstance. You don't know where to take it. Bring it to the wisdom of Jesus Christ, assuming you're His, and when you call out for help, He will give it. You say, well, how does this take place? It takes place in multiple ways. There's not some hidden wisdom out there that if you ask for it, Jesus highlights it in some weird book. He's already given us His wisdom in the Scriptures. And so you can ask and inquire for help and go to the Scriptures with full assurance that it will be answered for you. You say, I don't know how to read the Bible. Ask for help. Ask from those who can. And and I assure you that you will be helped. Why? Because the, the counselor, the comforter, the exhorter literally lives in you in the Spirit of Christ. Jesus says before He leaves His disciples, I'm about to leave, but the Comforter's coming and He will guide you into truth. You say, I don't know who to submit to. Submit to the Son. I want a government that won't let me down. Submit to the child. You say, I don't know what to do with my life. Ask Jesus for help and be assured He will answer you abundantly. He's a wonderful counselor who offers wisdom to you. He's the wisdom of God. And He is Himself the mighty God. This is one of the most explicit descriptions of Messiah as deity in the Old Testament. There are hints of Messiah in the Old Testament. Some of them more obvious, some of them more subtle. But Isaiah's descriptions in 7 and in chapter 9 of of the Son who is coming points out very clearly to the people of Israel and to us that Messiah is not just some good king who's coming like Alexander or whatever good president you can think of who'll bring a good reign, but that He is Himself God. He is the mighty God. Aren't you thankful that you can bring questions to Jesus and He has the wisdom to answer them, and you can bring questions to Jesus and He has the ability to act upon that wisdom? What if He only had one? He is both the wonderful Counselor who knows what you need and the mighty God who can accomplish what you need. He's the Creator, and we know this very clearly. We see in His might in John chapter 1, all things were made through Him. Colossians chapter 1, by, all thing, by Him all things were created. Heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through Him. Hebrews chapter 1, you, Lord, God is speaking, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about our salvation being an act of Christ's power by saying that our citizenship is in heaven because of Christ's power to transform our lowly body like unto His glorious body. But our citizenship is in heaven. Our kingdom awaits us. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus, who will come again. You understand when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the first coming who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him 
to subject all things to himself. And so, brother and sister, my friend, if you're with us this morning, maybe you're not in Christ. I know you came here likely to be encouraged by the children. What do you need this morning? What do you celebrate this time of year? Is it just the tradition and the frivolity and the materialism? Listen, I love Christmas as much as the next person, and I pray that I love Christmas for the right reasons, and I pray that my love for Christmas is rooted in these truths, that what we need is in a child, the Son of God, and that when life gets confusing, I can bring my requests to Him, and God's wisdom and human flesh will share that wisdom with me and disciple me in truth. And when I'm feeling weak, I can take that weakness to God, knowing to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, knowing that He's not just what maybe the world present Him as some uh, overly emotional, uh, sappy kind of like, like really watered down Jesus, but that He is affectionate and He is gentle, but that He is mighty. He is Himself the mighty God who has both wisdom to know what I need and power himself to accomplish it. It is this that we celebrate this time of year and it is this that we are thankful for all times of the year. So may we rest in the righteous reign of the Son. May we listen to his wise counsel. And may we trust his divine power. Let us pray.